Anything is the wildest of all of it is that I get to introduce our guest speaker this weekend. And the guest speaker this weekend is someone that I know pretty well because it's my dad. His name is Justin Matat. And if you don't know him, you're about to know him. He is one of the most fun and awesome and exciting people I've ever known, which made my childhood an absolute blast from beginning to end. And now being his friend as an adult, it's even still so exciting. My dad is a children's book author, primarily. He has over 35 books published and also speaks at a lot of schools, anti-bullying and things like that, and really just empowers kids to be creative and use their creativity to do awesome things in this world. So if you would welcome him up here, here he comes. He is going to share with us this weekend... And uh, he also has his books outside for sale in the foyer afterward, and he wants to give 40% of whatever you guys would buy of those books to our children's ministry for VBS and for some equipment and things they need to boost up our children's ministry. So I have nothing else to say except this is my dad. Please welcome him, Justin Matai. Thank you, son, my favorite worship pastor. I'm not kidding. Well, Camille's pretty awesome. Donnie's really cool. Okay, JJ's number three. Um, my second favorite son. Um, totally, totally kidding. Um, I'm going to talk to you today about something that's very, very near and dear to my heart, but I believe it's even more dear to God's heart. Um, of course, I think that because I'm talking, but um, <laughs> um, the, uh, the thing that I want to talk to you about is God's gifting and God's creativity, because God is a very creative person. And I see him as a person because he's a friend. But one of the things I really want to say is this is home, and it's so cool to be up on this stage speaking in my home. This is where my family is. Um, this is my church. This is the first church that I've ever completely felt comfortable in and felt a part of. And so um, I'm just really, really honored that John would ask me to do this. Um, so what I'm going to talk to you today about is yourself and God. And um, that makes me sound religious. Um, but... God is the ultimate creator. And I know we all know that, you know, there, it's, it's easy to see that. But when you think about how intentional God is a, as a creator, um, he's epic. I mean, he's absolutely an epic storyteller. He's an epic creator. Um, but he has, he has created things in this world that are just beyond imagination, like a duck-billed platypus. Um, but his most amazing creation is you. We are created in his image, and you look at the Grand Canyon, you look at you know, all, these, all these various beautiful places on earth, you go down under the water and see things under the water that are just breathtaking, but none of them are as beautiful to God as you. You're created in his image. And I know you know that, but do you know that? Do we ever totally pull that in and understand how important we are to our God? He loves us. He wants us to immerse ourselves in him. And so I've, I've brought some, um, some instances of, of his creation that I'd like to talk about. But one of the things that God is is very intentional. And um, I believe that when we, prior to coming to this earth, God is giving us our identity. Now, we talked about this in these songs. I mean, can you imagine if the people on the stage today had not entered into the gifts that God gave them? Because there's good singers, but there are gifted singers. There's good artists, but there are awesome artists who are gifted, because those are things that God parcels out, and he gives them to us very, very intentionally. Every one of you in here was given specific gifts. Some of you are very fortunate you have multiple gifts. God gave me the gift of gab, and I use it 
And now I make money doing it. It's my job. It's pretty amazing. I think my mother would be blown away. Um, but um, when, when we were created in his image, it was very, very intentional, each and every one of us, because every woman in here, every man in here, every child in here reflects God. And that's why God gives us gifts, so that when we use them, it reflects back up to him and gives him glory. That's what we're here to do. It's a great commission. You know, there, there's many people that, you know, talk a lot, but let's show the Great Commission. Let's show the love and let God work through our gifts. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of God's gifts that are in the scriptures. In Psalm, it says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. He likes cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God likes music. God likes art. God loves creativity. Now, it's interesting because we think of creativity in, in little boxes like art and music and entertainment. But there are brokers in this world who are so creative in the way that they design a portfolio for their clients. They go deep into that person's life and understand them and bring it back out in a creative way. That's a gift. And these are the gifts that we are supposed to be beholden to and using. So there's another scripture that um, in Exodus, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel. Is that how you say it, Dan? <laughs> Thank you. Son of Uri, the son of Hur, the, in the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. Think about that. God loves art, but it isn't the art God loves, it's the art person, the person who's creating. It's called an artist. I said art person, but I meant artist. Um, <laughs> JJ said I was goofy. Um, I make up words, and then I put them in books, and you read them. It's weird. Um, but there's a few, few creative things that I'd like to talk about specifically with God. And because I'm a writer, I write things down. And so this is um, his first creative task that he gave to mankind was to name the animals. And man, that was a big job. Because if you think about the palette that God created, you've got puppies and whales and duck-billed platypuses. <laughs> I'm really into that because I'm writing a book about them. And lightning bugs. Lightning bugs. Have you ever been in Kansas on a warm summer night and seen lightning bugs flying everywhere? God's an artist. It's amazing. It's just, it's truly breathtaking. And his, 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 his creativity takes on so many forms. If you think about like the gifts that we see on the stage during worship, they open the gift and they give it back in a way that just brings God glory. People in here are raising their hands because that gift is being anointed. Pastors take a thousands of years, thousands, a book that's thousands of years old and create amazing stories for us constantly. And on this stage, I've heard some of the very best. So God is an, he's the ultimate storyteller. You think about, here's a story from the Old Testament that just blows me away. Being an adopted person, I always really kind of migrated towards Moses and Jesus because they were both adopted. And Moses, you know, he's this little baby that's going down the Nile. He's drifting down the Nile and he's found, he, he comes into the Pharaoh's court. He's given golden rings and he's put, he's put in a place of prominence. He's going to, going to be a prince and a leader in Egypt. And then he decides that he wants to go and save his people. And he leaves the palace and you, you know the story. He goes out there and does all these crazy things, but he parts the sea. Well, that's God. That's through the gifts of Moses. He parts the sea and drowns Pharaoh's army and saves. That's epic. I mean, God is epic. Think about this. This isn't a boring story, but the best part that I've ever seen in that story is when Moses goes up and he's in the presence of God and he comes back and his hair turned white. That's amazing. God turned his hair white. 
What does that mean? In the presence of the Lord, you are going to change. And he was changed. And he changed the world. So then you look at the story of Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth is beyond childbearing years. And an archangel delivers messages to people. Comes down and actually visits. This is epic. And then Elizabeth talks to her husband. He doesn't believe her. And an angel says, okay, then you can't talk. That's nuts. That's epic. God wants to get our attention, and he'll do it in any way. He gave each and every person in here gifts. I'm going to keep saying this to you. How are you using them? How many of you at some place in your life knew you had a gift, knew you had a passion, and put it away for later or for never? Because maybe you got messaging when you were a kid. Maybe you get messaging as an adult. It's just not enough. I'm going to talk more about that. So... God's opinion about creativity is shown in the things such as the Great Canyon, Swiss Alps, Maroon Bells, Victoria Falls, Cliffs of Dover, Great Barrier Reef, Amazon Rainforest, the Rocky Mountains, and you, the most beautiful thing he ever created. I'm going to keep stressing that because if you don't feel beautiful, you are not understanding that you are created in the image of the most beautiful. So... What does mankind do with that creativity? Well, let's look, let's, look at, let's look around the world at what mankind decided to do with God's already amazing world. We've got pyramids, Machu Picchu, the Parthenon, Easter Island statues, Taj Mahal, the Great Wall of China, and Mesa Verde, and none of those are as beautiful as you. But God loves those things, and they stay on earth for us to know the creativity that mankind can bring. So God is a giver of gifts. Some of you, again, are fortunate to have so many gifts. I just hope that you have opened the gifts and that you're bringing them out. And if you're not, I would like something I say today make you start thinking again of picking up that paintbrush or picking up that journal or whatever it is that as a child you just couldn't stop doing because that's generally when the gifts come out is when we're children because we're unbridled, we're reckless, and it's wonderful. So... I'd like to tell you a little bit about how I started to get up on this stage. When uh, my mom and dad were both English professors, and my mom was a very, very, my, my dad too, but I'm gonna talk about my mom right now. My mom was a very, very intentional woman, very busy. She was a professor, um, full-time worker, as one of the original latchkey kids in America. And, um, but she loved me, loved me, and let me know that. But the one thing my mom loved most about me was the way I talked because I told stories. I don't, ask my friends, I don't answer a question with yes or no, I answer a question with a story. Drives a lot of people crazy, and I'm sorry. Um, but that is who I am, and that's who God gifted me to be. Um, but my mother loved it. So what my mother would do, my mother was involved in everything in our town. I grew up, up in the Fort Collins area, and my mom was involved in all these, all these groups. And what she would do is she'd say, honey, you know that story that you told the other day at dinner? I've got to have you tell my friends that story. So my mom put me on stage. I was an extrovert. I wasn't shy, but all of a sudden, I've got these adults laughing, not at me, but with me. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I like this a lot. This is awesome. I'm going to keep doing it. And then my teachers would say, not now, all the time. Spent a lot of time telling the principal stories, I'll tell you that. <laughs> True story. <laughs> um, but they recognized my gift. And my father, strangely enough, I never caught on to this till I was a dad, my father had a mantra that he said over and over and over and over and over and over while I was a child. If I've heard it once, I've heard it 20,000 times. There is a virtue in learning when to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> he can't be talking to me. Um, 
So my mom kept encouraging me, and I remember one summer day, my mom was home, um, and she was sitting on the couch, enjoying herself, big, tall glass of iced tea, and I came in from playing with my friends, and I said, Mom, you got to hear this story, and, blah, 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 and my mom's trying to read the New Yorker magazine and have some tea, and she's looking at me like, okay, okay, oh, this is okay, all right, this is going on as long as this, um, and, she, and she was like, okay, well, you know, honey, that is such a great story, I don't want you to lose it, so go up to your room, get out your paper, get a pencil, and sit at your desk and give it an hour or no two you know two hours would be really good to give this this story service and I was like okay really you think I should write it down oh I think you should write it down right now <laughs> and I ran upstairs and I started writing it down and it was good and it was for mom and I was excited about it and I got it done in 20 minutes <laughs> and went running back downstairs and my mom looked at me like uh you're already done and my mom said, okay, read it to me. And I read it to her, and she goes, oh, this is awesome. This is so good, you need to rewrite it and make it right. It's an English professor, right? So go back upstairs and write it. And seriously, a good full hour. I'll call you down when I'm ready. <laughs> well, of course, now I know what my mom was doing. You think she was trying to get rid of me. My mom was trying to teach me to write and get rid of me. Um, <laughs> And so I learned how to write my stories down, and as a result of that, I learned how to edit because she kept sending me back up there for more free time for herself. And now I understand when I write a book, I'm gonna write it 50 times before it comes out. But that was an intentional mother. That was a mother who saw my gifts and didn't just say, oh my gosh, would you just be quiet? How many times do we do that to our kids? How many times do we say, I don't have time? And I get it, I've done this thing. I've raised, I've raised boys while my wife raised them and I played with them, but... Um, <laughs> I understand how tough it can be, and, and I'm not trying to talk down on anyone, but there are times when that child is saying, Mommy, Daddy, Grandpa, Grandma, I have a gift. Please let me open it. And you're like, we don't have time. We've got to get to church. It's true. I've done it. And it's a bummer to watch your child just fold inside because they want, to, they want your praise. They want you to see the gift. They need to open the gift, and you need to be the person that helps them open it. So there are good gifts, and there are good gift givers, and there are bad gift givers. Before we go on to that, I'd like one more scripture. James, every good, is it up here? Okay. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He is the same forever, and when he gives a gift, he gives it intentionally, and I truly believe in my life that God wants you to open that gift and bring it out to the world because it will ultimately glorify him. When you don't bring the gifts out that God gave you, it grieves him as a father. He still likes you. He still loves you, but he wants to see you open that gift because it's for you. It's special. It was specially chosen for you. So there are some bad gift givers, and I'd like to show you an example of one of those. No, you like it? This is all I got, really. Abby, what'd you get? You didn't even show me anything. Oh. Isn't that what you asked for? No. Do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> no, and you like yours? How's it taste? Abby, you're going to be really clean this year for Christmas, aren't you? What's the matter, hon? I feel bad you ate it. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the dad's goofing the kids, 
But this little girl gets a bottle of soap and she's trying so hard to be joyful. God doesn't give us bottles of soap and rice cakes. God gives us amazing, wondrous gifts. And when we open the gift, we can be joyful. We can absolutely see that God is in his high place looking at us saying, yes, yes, I love you and it's awesome what you're doing. And here's an example of a good gift giver with the same children. There it is. And if you've ever given somebody a present and you were so excited about it, and they opened it up and went, meh, what's next? Oh, it just crushes you. Because it's like, I spent so much time thinking about how much you were going to love this, and they're like, meh. I've done that. You know, you get something and it's like, well, okay, I don't wear that. But, um, but I want to tell you a story, and I'm gonna, I do have permission from your worship pastor to tell this story about JJ. Um, because I have a really wonderful story about a certain Christmas with him. But before I do that, I want to kind of set the stage for you. Um, Andy and my, my wife and I, we um, gave him guitar lessons, junior music academy lessons. We, whatever JJ wanted to do, we bought him notebook after notebook because he loves to draw. And if you follow him on Instagram, you can see it has really paid off um, because it's awesome. I love his stuff. It's so imaginative and it's so creative. And he's been that way since he was this big. Saw the gifts here promoted him here, and now he does with his life what he was meant to do on earth. But there was a time in my life where I wasn't quite sure. Because JJ was in a screamo band called The Axe That Chopped the Cherry Tree. And when JJ moved out of our house, I think we found 10 hair straighteners, those irons, um, for my son. And um, I used to take him to the mall to shop for his clothes, and we'd always get his jeans at Forever 21. Only dad in there getting clothes for a boy there. Um, really skinny, tight jeans. And um, I understood the girls in that scene really liked them. Um, what does dad care? I mean, it's his body. He can wear them. The hair, it's all straight and it's fine. Um, not exactly what you know, I was thinking when I was you know, giving him music lessons. But he got into this screamo band. And then the crazy thing is Andy and I, my wife and I, I'm sorry, I keep talking about Andy. If you know her, you know her name. But anyway, my wife and I would go to their shows. And the first couple shows, I was like, oh my gosh. Because JJ had this thing called a death growl. And he played the keyboards. And he was like, that's my son? That's coming out of my son? It sounded like Barry White was coughing. And... Um, <laughs> But then the more screamo bands I went and saw, I realized my son is a good growler. This is amazing. This kid can growl. And I was proud of him. And I loved the shows. I loved them all. Um, I remember we, we asked my in-laws to go to one of the shows, and, and uh, oh boy, um, they both, you know, plugged their ears with all kinds of cotton stuff. And, and my mother-in-law was just in the front row, just, because she was just an awesome human being. But my father-in-law was like, yeah. And I was standing outside talking to one of the kids in the band, and he came out and he goes, this is a Christian band? And I said, uh-huh. He goes, what happened to Kumbaya? <laughs> that might be what he's saying. I've never understood anything they're saying. But um, anyway, so that sets the stage for who JJ was at this point in his life. And by the way, he was 20. And... Um, so there was a Christ we have a Christmas tradition in our house. We open our gifts on Christmas Eve. And I generally play Santa Claus, and everybody goes around in a, in a circle and opens gifts. Well, Ethan, my other son, was Mr. Sports. He wanted 22 baseball caps. 
and 23 jerseys. They, you know, everything was uniform. He just wanted to represent all of his teams. And so when you get baseball caps, they all come in a little box and they all look exactly alike. And um, so, you know, of course, I wanted to please Ethan for his, uh, for his Christmas, or we wanted to, I'm sorry, it wasn't just me. Um, but um, JJ, our family went and saw David Crowder, who was just an amazing Christian artist, still is, but at the time, it was just kind of all new. And we went and saw this concert, and there was a, one of his band members was up there with a thing called a guitar, and a guitar is the keyboard guitar, all built in one from the 1980s, real, real bright red and white. And JJ was just looking at that thing like this. Oh my gosh, that is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, and the, the guy up there looked a lot like him. And so I thought, okay, this could be a really cool Christmas gift. So I went over to Guitar Center and I said, I want to get a guitar. And they said, okay, well, you're going to have to get in a time capsule and go back because you can't get a brand new guitar. But what I would suggest you do is go online and go on eBay and try to find a guitar. So I said, okay. So I went home and logged on to eBay. And sure enough, there were a bunch of guitars, but there was only one guitar that was right for my son. It had only been used three times. It was pristine. It was beautiful. And it was $20. Now, this was when eBay, I was brand new to eBay. That was the starting bid. And so I bid 20 bucks, and immediately somebody bid 25. And I was like, oh, yeah? 30. And it got up, and it kept going, and kept going. Then I finally realized, I called my brother who does eBay, and he said, no, 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 bid at the end of the auction. Don't keep bidding it up, because it's going to get really expensive. All right, well, it already has. And it's already above our budget for JJ, because we had a, a budget for both of the boys, and so anyway, not to belabor the story too much, I went back on eBay a couple days later and I got into another bidding war and I was very egotistical about it. I was going to win that thing and I won it for about three times what our budget was. But it was mine <laughs> and soon to be his. And I got a little panicked because it was a pretty expensive gift and I had completely you know, surpassed the mark, but um, I wanted my son to have something that would just shine when he was on stage. And so the problem with getting a keytar is it's a very, very obvious object. And um, so you can't put it under the tree. So Ethan has, you know, 20 hats, and I go and put JJ's name on 10 of them. So that when they're snooping around under the tree, JJ thinks he's got gifts. He does have a gift, but it's not under the tree. And so they're kind of looking at me like, so we're getting all the same stuff? I said, you know, just wait till Christmas Eve, it'll be fine. And so... Um, my anticipation starts to build and I start to get very, very excited because it's like, JJ's gonna open this gift and this is gonna be the most epic moment of our family life. <laughs> and then I start thinking, what if he's over that phase? What if he doesn't care about a guitar anymore? You know, time has passed and then I'm kind of shocked because I'm like, no way I'm ever gonna be able to sell this thing for what I bought it for. But I'm in, I gotta, I gotta stick with this thing. So Christmas Eve comes and, and uh, we <laughs> took all the hats that were in the same size boxes and put them in front of Ethan and JJ's like, those are mine. I said, well, no, they're not actually. I, I was just trying to, you know, anyway. So Ethan opens all these presents and then it's supposed to be JJ's turn. I said, okay, let's just have mom open one. And JJ's like, okay. So we go around the circle and then I realized I can't keep doing this to, this to the kid. I'm just gonna go get the guitar. So I go down to the basement where I've hidden the guitar and I bring it up and I told JJ, 20 year old man, I tell him, close your eyes and turn away from the door. And so he's over there, you know, anticipating, I don't know, an elephant or something really cool. And um, I walk in with the guitar and I, as I walk down the hall towards the living room, I'm thinking, this was a big mistake. I should not have done this. Because if he goes, me, I'm gonna be heartbroken and broke. And, um, <laughs> So I come down there and I say, okay, JJ, keep your eyes closed and turn around. And I put the keytar box in his, his, in his arms and I said, okay, open your eyes. And he looks down, 20-year-old man goes, oh. 
I got a guitar! And he puts it on the couch and he starts running up and down the hall like he did when he was five. And he runs up the stairs, I got a guitar! And I'm like, you're gonna split your pants. But anyway, he says, I, I got a guitar. And he comes back down and he says, this is the most epic and awesome gift I've ever been given. How do you think mom and dad felt? How do you think God feels when you open the gift and run around and scream, I opened my gift. That is the moment where God looks at you and goes, yes, I nailed it. I gave you exactly what you needed. So one of the things I want to talk to parents right now who have children that are still under your roof, um, the one thing that I, I, uh, I just got back from the Dominican Republic and, you know, life is very, very different there and life is very, very different if you drive about 10 miles that way. We kind of live in a bubble where, and I, and I don't have any problem with it, I've lived in this bubble for 25 years, but we kind of live in a bubble where um, we kind of want to live vicariously through our children and we fashion what our children should be after what we think they should be. And there is certainly some of that that we should do. We're supposed to train them right and all. But sometimes I think it gets to the point where kids get very squelched in their gifts. And I've seen it too many times. And um, so I want to speak directly to you right now that I want you to really look into your child's gifts. I want you to really think about who's under your influence and find a way to let that child's gift flourish. Because if you do, I promise you, It'll come back in the way it does when I watch my son lead worship. I sit in that front row and I'm so proud of who he is. I was proud of him when he was in a screamo band. The dude could growl. <laughs> but that's what I really want everybody in here. But I really want to speak to those of you who haven't opened your gift. Maybe you tried it one time and somebody said, that's not good. Don't listen to that. What did he say? Let's listen to what he said. Because at the end of the day, that's what's important. And I want to tell you a very good friend of mine one of the, probably the most premier artists I've ever known. The guy can draw and paint, and he's just absolutely amazing. But he told a story one time that I have permission to share. When he was a little boy, he was the oldest of five boys, and his parents um, were very well-to-do, still are, and um, they moved into a house, very, very fancy, and his mother is a designer who many, many people go to for design, and I mean, she makes Pinterest jealous, is the kind of person this is. And if you don't know what Pinterest is, good on you. Um, but um, they don't like my honey oak, um, never mind. But anyway, um, so she, they had this beautiful house, and they had, they had just like done everything in the house perfectly, and their kitchen was like the centerpiece of the house, just gorgeous kitchen. And the walls were just beautifully designed. And, and uh, my friend was a, an artist, and his mom liked his art. And she was a very busy mom with five kids, and she decided to go on an errand. She went down the street and was um, a little long talking to one of the neighbors. And while she was gone, my friend decided to create some art for her. And he got probably a permanent marker, whatever, whatever of the day. And um, he found the big wall in the kitchen, brand new, renovated kitchen, and he began to draw. And he drew his mom this beautiful, beautiful six-year-old piece of art on the wall. Not on a piece of paper, but on the wall. And it was permanent. Well, something was going to happen when mom came home. You can imagine one of two things. And when his mom walked in and saw that on the kitchen wall, she looked at him and she said, did you draw that? Yes, mommy. Did you draw that for me? Yes, mommy. Well, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna frame it. We're gonna frame that. And she went and got a frame 
and built a frame for his first piece of art to be shown on her wall. And that boy got puffed up. Mama thinks I'm important. That's important. And I did it. And he was filled with his natural gift. He was filled with the wonder of who he was, how he created. And then at the end of the day, dad came home. And when dad walked in, he said, what is that? And she explained it to him. And he said, take that frame off and get that wall repainted. And he took the little boy to his room and told him, you don't ever do that again. Do you understand me? You don't ever do that. And that little boy was crushed. And then for the rest of his life, he would paint something or draw something. And sadly, his dad would say, great hobby. Don't ever try to rely on that for a living. This guy can create... I mean, if he were talking to you and you said three things, he would draw it for you and you couldn't believe what just came out of him. I've seen his very first published piece. It was in Boy's Life magazine. He submitted it without dad's permission and they gave him $35. So his entire childhood and then his adult life, he was told, you're not enough. That'll never work. And so he put it away and he got into a daily job that was drudgery for him because it wasn't who he was. It was to make the paycheck to pay for the bills for his family. And all the while, he would doodle and draw because he couldn't stop his gift. And then one day, he heard enough of us say, if you did this full time, you would not believe what would happen. He finally listened, and he began to paint. And then he began to believe that maybe my paintings could go for sale. And then he went to his parents' connected friends who had the money, the ability, and the means, and he started to sell his art. And there have been pieces of his art that he sold that probably would surpass most of our annual incomes. Think if he had done that his whole life. But he was told it's a hobby. You can't make a living doing it. And now he paints with reckless abandon. And now he draws, and he's free to live his gift. But he waited many, many years for that. Don't wait, just do it. Just find that gift, pull it out, and start to use it today. Just whatever it is. You know, if you've got a banjo that's been sitting in the basement forever because you used to like to pluck it, go get it. Pluck it. See what happens. You may never do a concert, but you may have a friend who's like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Or you may yourself see, yep, I got the stuff. So that's my friend's story. Don't let it be your story. Let's learn from other people's mistakes and examples, because there's way too much of that. There's too many, I've read a lot of biographies of people that were just believed for so long that they just didn't have it. But remember one thing, God is a creator. He is so creative, and the greatest thing he created was you, with gifts and abilities, and he wants you to open them and use them. So I have one more story for you. Being a storyteller, it's my favorite way of talking, um, but I, uh, I, I'm on the National Speakers Board for MOPS, and that's Mothers of Preschoolers. And Mothers of Preschoolers, uh, my wife, was, it was very, very important to our family because when I was in the corporate world and I was working all the time, my wife had a network of women that were going through the same thing she was going through. She relied on them. They're, they're friends of her. She became a MOPS mentor. It's a very, very important Christian organization. And I'm on their speaking network, so I speak to mothers 
um, to try to use my gift to see how I might influence. And so generally what I do is I talk about, I have two talks that I generally do. One is my anti-bullying because a lot of young mothers want to know how do I safeguard my kids? How do I keep my kids from going into school and being the bully's object? And there's, there's some really key things that I talk about because I've experienced it in my own life. And, and so it's a gift that God gave me to tell the stories to be able to try to change. That's just my gift. You've got the gifts. What are they? I don't hear anybody. Okay, anyway. Um, so I want to tell you one time I was at a very, very large mops group and I was telling stories and I, was, um, I shared the stories about um, creating creative creatures and how we go down and reach into our children and figure out a way to bring that gift out. How do we support that? What do we do to make that child feel so important to us and then ultimately so important to God? So I'm telling these stories and, you know, I'm... I'm Kind of in a groove that morning, I was feeling pretty good, you know, when you're doing your job and you feel like you're doing it pretty well. And then at the end of it, I said, okay, so now it's time, does anybody have any questions? And I got some good questions, and you know, those are the best things for a speaker is when somebody, you know, gives you a question and you have to quickly reflect back to what it is that they need to hear. And so sometimes you don't know, and that's the best thing for a speaker to say is, I really don't know, but I'm going to find out, and the next time I speak here, I'll try to, try to bring an answer. But I actually don't know because I've never experienced that in my life. You don't hear a lot of speakers say that, but it's important because we're not know-it-alls. But um, this particular day was one where... Um, I had a line of moms that wanted to talk to me um, before I went and signed books. And um, there was one mom that came up to me that I'll never forget. And um, she came up, and the reason I won't forget her was because of what she did as a result of that morning. She came up, and she literally just had tears streaming down her face. And I thought, man, she's super upset. I mean, what did I say? And she said, um, okay, so I just need to, I need to confess to you. I need to tell you a story. And I said, okay. She says, well, you know how you were talking about children have gifts and when they're, when they're constantly barraging us with their gifts, they, they, they're trying to tell us something. They're trying to show us something. They're trying to find admiration from us. She said, well, this very morning, my oldest, this little girl who draws pictures constantly and cuts things up and makes messes everywhere in our house came to me right before I was ready to leave for mobs. And I have two other kids. And she came and she said, mommy, look at this picture that I made for you. You know, how many flowers are important is what she saw in my face when I said, we need to get going, Missy. You need to clean up this mess and get in the car right now. And while she's telling me this story, she's just crying. She said, I crushed my daughter this morning. And when you said that, I felt so convicted. I, got, I just felt crushed because my daughter was just trying to say, mommy, admire me. And I said, that's true. But let yourself off the hook. You're busy. You have three kids. She goes, no, there's no excuse for what I did. And I said, she'll forgive you. I promise you that. And she says, well, I'm going to change. And so what I want to know is, would you be willing to let me use this morning in my blog? I'm a, I'm a big Pinterest person. She has like millions of followers. She's one of those people that just... Uh, creates things that are just amazing. Imagine she had a creative child. Um, but she, uh, she says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a blog and um, I'm going to change. I promise you, I am going to change. I'm like, you don't have to change for me. And um, she said, well, what I want to do is I want to use this morning, but um, I want to, I want to, and she's just nervous, you know, and I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Just tell her you love her and look at her flowers. And she goes, no, 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 I'm doing way more than that. She says, okay, so I just want to tell you something about myself. Um, I am known for my dining room. I was like, okay. 
I have no idea what that means. And she said, people all over the world want me to dine, design their dining rooms because of my dining room. And I said, okay. She says, my dining room is the place in my house that nobody ever messes it up. And I said, okay, do you eat in there? She said, well, rarely. It's a dining room. <laughs> That's where you dine, right? And um, so I said, well, okay, well, you know, so she says, I'm going to do something. Everyone knows me because of that dining room. I just want you to remember that. And I was like, okay, all right. I'll definitely remember because you told me 12 times. Um, <laughs> so she goes away, you know, I give her a hug and, and I say, you know, just, just tell your daughter you love her and just change. Just every time she draws something, just give her a little nugget. I'm going to do way more than that. It's <laughs> like, you're an intense person. Um, so a couple weeks later, she got my email address, and a couple weeks later, she sent me an email, and she said, Mr. Matai, you're not going to believe what's happened in my home, and I want you to see it visually, and so I'd like you to go to this website and take a look at it, and um, I, I'd, I'd like some feedback. I'd like to know what you think. And I said, okay. For some reason, it was important because of that talk, what I thought. You know, my friends will tell you it's just not important what I think. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So I go to her blog, and I look at this dining room, and it was the first time I ever thought, okay, I get it. <laughs> wow. I mean, you couldn't eat in this place. It's so fancy. I wouldn't dare. I mean, it looked like something in a palace. The first picture. And then the second picture. She had gone to Hobby Lobby or wherever people get frames and things like that. I don't know, Kim. Um, but she'd gone to a place where really creative people go, and she had taken this, this um, frame and it went all the way across the dining room wall, the most prominent wall that everybody saw from the front door. And she put corkboard on it, on one part. And then she had like a blackboard, a very large dining room. And then she had like a grease board. And above it, it said, Emma's wall. Her daughter owned the dining room. And when somebody walked in that door, the first thing they saw was Emma's art. Who is Emma? going to become? Who is she now? When she opened that gift and mom said, this is your place. I mean, it was, it was like being in the Louvre. The most important thing to her mother is now mine. That is a gift opened. So with that story, I would just suggest that we all think about our gifts, think about people we know who have gifts and need us to support them and love them and open it. So I would really like for everyone in here to try to open a gift. Thank you for listening to me. I'd like to pray us out. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. I hope that there are some hearts in here that, that heard what I had to say and will feel a change and that there are children who will absolutely benefit from their parents, their grandparents, their friends opening their gifts with them and just rejoicing in what God has given them. And that they will understand there is nothing more beautiful in God's creativity than them, than you, than me. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give it up for Justin. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you.